You're listening to Riding a Rocket, presented by RocketShipJobs.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Riding a Rocket with Henry Johnson. On today's episode, I have Adam Ryan of The Hustle. Adam is the president of The Hustle. He also spent time at Under Armour as well as Spiceworks prior to coming in to be the president of The Hustle. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to, to make this full circle. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, great meeting you at the, uh, the Hustle event a, while, a little while back. And uh, I'm excited to uh, talk to you a little bit more about, you know, you joining the hustle, uh, your time there, you know, what made you do it and all that kind of stuff. So you ready? Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Awesome. Hey, man. So so this show is all about talking to people who uh, are at fast growing companies and trying to and really the, the audience are, are people who are looking to do the same thing. Right. They they want to be employees at, at a company to make a mark on said companies, right? And what I try to do is bring people like yourself who have been at companies that that are growing really fast and and get some learnings from them in regards to what they've done there. Looking at you, right, you were at Under Armour, you were at Spiceworks, so two, well, Spiceworks when you were there, I think was a little, was not a startup, but bigger than the hustle when you joined it. Oh yeah, yeah, Spiceworks, uh, the month I joined, uh, did a $52 million round from Goldman Sachs. Yeah. Uh, so they were, they were well on their way to establishing themselves as a, as a, as a strong B2B media company in the country. And it was about, I think, seven years old. Yeah. I was fortunate at Spiceworks though. I mean, a lot of my inspirations, my learnings, both good and bad came from that experience though. They were successful and had hundreds of employees by the time I got there and been around for a while. And had the Series E Goldman checkbox that everyone dreams about. Uh, there are so many things that they did wrong, uh, mm-hmm. and the founders were super transparent. It taught me a lot during that time, though. Uh, and I think I got lucky. I kind of fell into that role and just soaked it all up and did everything I could and learned from some great people. And the hustle now employs six people from Spiceworks. So (laughs) there's a lot of inspiration from there. But I think for me, checking a box, which is the, the successful startup box, a scaled startup box, which they did really helped me uh, understand of like how you can get from one to a hundred. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, so I want to dive into that a bunch as we kind of go through this, but let, yeah. let's start at the beginning. Like, what made because you you left Spiceworks and went to Under Armour before you came to the Hustle. So, what made you jump from Under Armour to actually come over to the Hustle? So, I I left Spiceworks. I uh, to explain the answer. I have to explain why I went to Under Armour. So, okay. I left Spiceworks. I took a pay cut to go work for Under Armour. The brand, obviously, at the time is scaling massively, yeah. growing. But more importantly, I left for the best manager I ever had, who hired me at Spiceworks. Left to go start the media division at Under Armour mm-hmm. called Connected Fitness, and so I left to go work with him and the challenge that the $800 million worth of acquisitions that Under Armour did. Within a few months of being there, I could tell that it was just like, it was it was a public company. I mean, it was a yeah. big, big company. And as much as Kevin Plank wanted, believes in moving fast and he's ruthless and has a startup-y kind of attitude, when you get to that size, it just becomes, just becomes a huge ship. And mm-hmm. even if the captain wants to turn fast, it's just hard. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm glad I, I went there. I learned a ton uh, about 
public companies and, and how to manage those processes and the, the red tape of, of those. But uh, Sam and I had known each other, uh, he's the founder of The Hustle, since I was about 16. We knew each other in high school. And when I was at a, about four months into Under Armour, The Hustle Daily watched. Um, so I started reading it every day of just like, as my friend from high school, he's doing this cool thing that I'm interested in. I'm a news junkie, so I, I appreciated it. And then by the summer, they were catching speed. I think they hit about 100,000 subscribers. And Sam and I kind of reconnected. We hadn't talked for years. Reconnected. I, I, I kind of joke. I think I was his only friend that he knew <laughs> in advertising that knew that game. Uh, so I started moonlighting. I didn't move over immediately. In August, I started working at nighttime and kind of pushing small deals away to the side. And then uh, I did that to help pay for my honeymoon. I got married that fall. And on my honeymoon, I told my wife, I was like, I'm having a blast working at this company. That's yeah. at the time, there's four, four people. And I said, it's just exactly the environment I want to do. And came back and, and quit and then started uh, right after that. But it was just the excitement of a small team and going from a startup like Spiceworks, which even though it was bigger, it still moved really fast. Mm-hmm. Going to a big public company, even as sexy as Under Armour was like, it was tough. It was yeah. like a lot of, a lot of red tape. So I appreciated the speed, which Sam and the team at that time uh, was moving at. And that's what drew me in. Makes sense. I, I understand that challenge of going from a startup to, to a place with a lot of red tape, but that's a story for another day. So, so, so day one for you at the hustle wasn't like day one, really. I mean, when you joined, you were already there for a little while, essentially. Three months. Yeah. I, yeah. So when, when I joined full-time, about 50% of the advertisers at that point I had worked with already. Sam did oh, wow. the first two months mm-hmm. or so once he started doing ads, and then I took over after that. So, yeah, I had a good head start. And then really the first month and a half was like, how do we get this thing? Sam had this huge, grandiose vision, which I think every company needs, and but there wasn't a lot of tactical plan to that. Mm-hmm. How do we actually go and grow and you know cross the million mark and cross this mark and these milestones? Uh, so that first month and a half full time, I built out Salesforce on. I learned on YouTube how to build it out and uh, built it out, and then created a plan to scale. I think at the time it was like, how do we go from 10k a month to 30x that or something crazy. <laughs> What was you so so you were at I want to talk that you were at 10k a month about when you joined you think yeah I mean like I think that was the month previous roughly but I think the biggest month we had had at that point was like 25k wow okay and then what was like your the the big goal that he had for you like first year coming in it was north of like 1.5 at least for the next year wow. was what we were trying to do and that included I mean what people got to realize is like that's about growing the list, right? The biggest mm-hmm. variable is making that list right, uh, that list size high. And mm-hmm. uh, the monetization just comes after it. But the more you make it systematic, the easier it is to grow the list. So that's what we worked on that first month and a half. And really, until about six months ago, that model never changed. We used the same exact thing for three years. What do you mean? Uh, like the plan for how we monetized our list and the actual business model for it and like how we grew the list. That Google Sheet lasted for three years uh, before before we were like, okay, I think we can reevaluate how we do this. But yeah, it uh, it was kind of crazy at that time. So in terms of the business model, because you had talked about this before, like you guys were doing, from what I understand, buy opens, right? That's how you were charging, and then you decided to change charging it by cents for a by cents by cents, and and you moved to buy buy opens. The one thing I heard you say is. 
that was when you kind of got to the point of, is this going to work? How big are we going to potentially be? And right. I want to talk to you about like how how that felt, like what what getting there and like how it felt when you actually were able to make that move. Like what made you guys feel confident to do that? Well, I mean, for that move specifically, I think there's two questions there. For that move specifically to move to opens, it just made the most sense. It like shared risk of advertiser and publisher. It allowed our, our advertisers to, if we had a bad open rate day, they don't pay as much. Mm-hmm. And it incentivized us to make sure people were actually opening the email, right? And yeah. having really the thesis from the beginning is like small and engaged is much better than like large and not. And you can have millions on a list, but if no one opens, it's worthless. And so that made sense. But the fear, the second point is like, what did that feel like? I would say Sam is never, ever content with where we're at. And that's what drives him, right? Like he's just a, just a hungry guy who, even when he was working from his kitchen table, thought he could build the next big media company in America. And for me, I think the satisfaction aspect of like, when do we go from being worried about what we're doing to being satisfied of what we did in the past, but like not hold, like not holding ourselves back. And I think that's like the problem that a lot of startups run into is they like hit these milestones and they get a bunch of press maybe, and they do these things and then become satisfied or they become slow and like go to committee mindsets and different things like that. Cause they feel like that's what you're supposed to do when you get bigger. Mm-hmm. And for us, we really, I'd say about eight months ago, 10 months ago, we just finally were like, let's remember what got us here. Let's keep going. Let's celebrate the wins, but never be satisfied because we can be so much bigger. And yeah. you know, that was, that was a fun day. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you attribute that other than Sam, like being, you know, super hungry and always wanting to grow from, from your side, you came in, as like the head of sales, you moved up to the vice president, then you, you know, general manager of email, vice president, now you're the president of the company. I read somewhere, I don't remember, it's got Dave Cancel, he talks about growing as fast as the company grows, right? It, that's the only way to work at a, at a, at a hyper growth company like The Hustle. What are you doing to kind of make sure you're staying in line and make sure you're growing as a, as a person to be with it? It's a good question. One, I don't think I'm there. I have a lot more to learn, but I I think, I mean, it's a combination. One, you got to meet the needs of the business. So that means learning. But like, I remember when we were having trouble with our event business for something going wrong, like it was like, oh, I'll I'll help fix it. You got to meet the needs of the business. I can't tell you how many times I've spent weekends and nights like learning skills that I never knew, right? Mm -hmm. Salesforce is a great example, like learning how to code Salesforce. But just yesterday, I got a tutorial on WordPress for like two hours, just so I can speak the language completely and understand project timelines. And I just love, I mean, I'm a former teacher. I love learning. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I don't think if I would have just stayed in this sales mindset of like, I want to be perfect at sales. I don't think I could have grown my responsibilities. I had to at one point say like, I'm going to start learning elsewhere. He's right. You have to meet the growth of the company, but I think more importantly, you have to recognize the needs of it and just like be selfless with your time. There was a lot of time where I would have my day-to-day responsibilities. And then at nighttime, I would say, hey, this needs to get done. I'm just going to do it. 
Yeah. And then after yeah. a while, you do that for years, all of a sudden you know, you're picking up a lot. That's, I think, explains a little bit how I grew at the company of just picking up odds and ends and learning. And I think if you're, if you're humble, I'll be the first to admit it. I mean, I went to somebody today and I was like, I think I fucked that up. Can you, can you teach like, what would you have done differently? Yeah. I think you have to be, have to have humility for sure. And just like recognize that, that you're probably not going to be the best at something. But uh, if you know that and learn and don't have to be taught twice, you'll probably be better shape than most. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And I, I think what you just said is like every like fast growing company is the key to like being successful at, at them because your role changes so fast, right? I mean, you were sales, but now you're, then you're based on what I'm looking at, right. And understanding your, your, your history, you'd never managed a sales team prior to joining the hustle. Did you? No, I was part of a larger team uh, at Spiceworks that had, I led like an account team. So I didn't directly manage anybody, mm-hmm. but I like worked hand in hand as, as the leader of that team. But no, I mean that by December I was recruiting. So like talk about timelines, like it was like October, November, get Salesforce built, create the model, <laughs> December, start hiring. And yeah, I had never really managed anybody before. And I, I documented a lot of my experience during that time. I was mm-hmm. writing a lot because I was just learning constantly. Yeah. And I, I wanted to make sure I remember what, what, what I was thinking during that time. But yeah, I mean, even now I tweeted about this yesterday, but I haven't been involved day to day in our sales process in like 18 months. Yeah. And I, of course, like get updates, but I'm not involved at the day to day level. And I'm back into it because of the coronavirus stuff and just helping the sales team as much as I can. And I mean, it's amazing. They're, they're like doing things that I didn't think about 18 months ago. And we probably weren't even, it wasn't even on the radar. And things are just evolving so fast that like you have to be comfortable with that. So, Wow. I, I want to dive a little bit into the coronavirus stuff, especially with you guys being in media as well as um, events. But but first, like when you think about somebody who would be successful at the hustle or or elsewhere, any other fast growing company. Right. Any advice to them on finding the right company that they should kind of be looking at and like making sure that they're developing maybe the right skills or mind, mindset to, to like being successful when they do that? Yeah. The first question I always, one of the first questions I was asking in interview is like, what was the last thing that changed suddenly in your life? And like, how did you handle it? Yeah. Because every day something different. Yeah. You know, and you have to like, we have hired so many people who are like, am I crazy that I love like when something hard comes on my plate, like <laughs> a hard conversation and, very hard. and I'm like, no, it's, it's why we hired you. And I think the advice, if you, if you actually are trying to go to a startup at, you know, five, 10 people at that level and they have vision to get to 50, 60 or whatever, or increase revenue by 15, 20, hundred fold. Every decision, like you can make great decisions in October and by February, it may be bad. Yeah. And like the, your send, how you're charging by sends and opens is an example of that. But like sometimes you can make good decisions and then later you have to be like, you know what? That was a good decision for the time, but now it's not. I have to be, I have to swallow my pride, move on. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. That humility and adaptability is like critical for early employees at, at fast growing companies. Nice. Makes sense. So let's dive a little bit into the current time. And and this is going to come out in a few weeks, but I think it's important to talk about being in events and being in, in advertising as your, you know, revenue models. How are you guys uh, addressing everything that's happening 
how are you thinking about potentially being getting creative around it? What what's happening at the hustle? How are you guys handling this? Yeah, you know, overall, uh, March was our best month, uh, both on both sides of the business mm-hmm. uh, ever on trends and the daily for advertising. So, and I think a lot of people experience that. I mean, spend was way up in March uh, for advertisers. And, you know, how we're handling it, we came up with contingency plans almost immediately, right when San Francisco started their, you should probably work from home period, we started coming up with contingency plans of, I think I came up with the worst case, basically worst, best and middle. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, had, if this happens, and this is what we need to do, if this happens, this is what we can do. And we've adapted those once since then, which mm-hmm. that's only three weeks, but we've had to change it up a little bit more. But you know, from, from the business side, it's, it's, I think right now, what is so great, what I actually love about this situation for businesses is that it's making you make hard choices. Mm-hmm. I can tell all decisions, products, people, you name it, like the oil and water are separating. You can see the things that are very valuable and you can see the things that are just drowning you. Yeah. It's now is the time to like build a strong company. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't have fat when you're trying to be strong. I think when things are good and cushy, it's really nice to like keep, people and products and take action on things that are nice to have. Mm-hmm. And right now it's like, everything is a need to have basis. Yeah. And I think it makes companies stronger, leaner, you know, more suitable, more dynamic. So I, I mean, we're embracing that and we're fortunate, like from a financial standpoint, we're in, we're in good shape. We have no need as of now or, or any plans to having to, to lay off people for, for financial reasons. But the hammer has definitely dropped of like, we have to make moves fast. Yeah. Uh, we have to make the right bets. And that's what we're doing. So and I think we've done a pretty good job so far. Yeah. And then it's just dealing with each product individually. So when you think of like your stack of uh, products you deal with, any that stand out to you as like, this is the absolute last one I would cut. Because I imagine, and the way I, reason I'm asking that is because, like I said, people on here are looking for like startups, right? So, I mean, if it's a startup company, I mean, that's probably a great one to join, right? If it's not, you know, it is what it is. But I, I just am curious, you know, what's kind of happening from your side. So you're talking about the hustle products or stuff like our podcast, our email? No, I mean, products that you guys use, like like Salesforce, Gong, oh. that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Our operation as a coordinator immediately, like the day this hit, I was like, go evaluate all of our software expenses and cut what we don't need. Mm-hmm. And I think we cut 20%. But it was a lot of redundant. I mean, this is just like how business are. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we have active campaign and MailChimp. Well, we only need one of those. Mm-hmm. Like get rid of, you know. It's like, oh, well, this person likes MailChimp. It's like, well, we have this one. Okay. <laughs> so that, there's there's tools that are definitely not ever going to get cut, like Salesforce. Salesforce could triple their prices and <laughs> I'd have a hard time moving off of it because I just love it so much. You know, SendGrid we use, we'd be screwed without like a email service provider. Mm-hmm. So there's like things like that that we can't get rid of. But yeah, we cut like a lot of software that just like we bought over the years immediately that like, no one knew why we had it or it was redundant. Yeah. I think that that's just what happens again when like times are good and you're moving fast. You're like, oh, that's okay. It's only 500 bucks a month. And then <laughs> you cut that. Yeah. Yeah. Make, makes sense. So outside of just, you know, the products that you're, you guys are using in your company, I mean, and I don't know how maybe involved you are in trends and kind of looking at the startup world and everything that's happening. 
any that stand out to you that uh, you see that that seem like pretty awesome products that they're building? Yeah. You know, I mean, look, there's like big, big, I talk about this all the time. There's like billion dollar ideas. And then there's like, oh, that'd be like a fun cash flow project. Yeah. We're writing a Sunday piece, I think in a, about 10 days uh, for the daily, but we've talked about this in trends, like these like pop-up bakery delivery companies are killing it. Like it's like a genius <laughs> idea, activity to do from home. It's retail turned online. It's like, it's not a big idea at all, but it's a great pivot uh, for folks like that. And I think there's also, it's the old picks and shovels. Like I think there's a lot of, a lot of tools that you could help you know, retail businesses pivot to online commerce and mm-hmm. you have the big players like Square, but I think finding holes in those in that transition could be pretty helpful. Big ideas. I'm I'm all about like I think people have been talking about remote work and all that for a while. I, I'm not I'm fine with that. I think like the real opportunity that's coming though is like by 2022, I think bandwidth is gonna be totally revolutionized, whether it's with uh, 5G or one of the other kind of competitors out there for high bandwidth, but mm-hmm. it's going to, I I'm a hype person for this. I think some people hate on it, but I think it's going to change the way that we function. If we think about having 10 times internet speed than we have now, that 10 times internet speed ago was before Netflix, before Uber, before apps could be dependable. Yeah. So I think it's going to change the way interactive TV, like HQ trivia, Mm-hmm. they were ahead of its time, man. Like, I think people yeah. are, I think that's going to be the future of TV is like interactive TV and high bandwidth enables that. A lot of remote remote work ideas I think are solid, but I don't think they're, I think they're thinking within the constraints of today and not the constraints of, you know, a couple of years from now. And I think the people who do that are going to make it big. Interesting. So I think that, that I'm big into 5G because yeah, my, my family has a, you know, smart home company, but, uh, what do you mean by like the remote work companies now are thinking of in the constraints of today rather than like the constraints of tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, I just think like, I mean, Zoom's killing it. Mm-hmm. No one Zoom. What do they really do better than anybody else? Like have a little bit more dependable of a backend, mm-hmm. but like when the internet bandwidth is 10 times better than that, that won't be an issue for anybody. Yeah. So like what is Zoom solving? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. They don't have a mode. I think there's a lot of opportunities out there that people wish they could have that higher bandwidth will enable and they're not being able to, it's hard to vision what's not possible yet. Mm-hmm. There's like some 5G labs in, in New York and San Francisco. And if you go to those, you're just blown away with the capacity. Yeah. And there's folks on the internet like Tom Goodwin, who I love to follow, who thinks this is all bullshit. But <laughs> I think uh, I think there's a lot of possibility there for remote work and communication style and entertainment that like people just can't get their heads wrapped around. So they're not taking enough action on it. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've heard somebody talk about how 5G is going to be what really probably will empower self-driving cars. And then when you think about that, you know, how does that make the cities actually look? Like, where do people actually live? So how does that affect commercial real estate? How does that affect real estate as a whole, right? So, I don't know. Or also the attention you have while you're in your car. If you're Mm -hmm. no longer driving, like, what are you doing with your attention? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there that, you just have to take a couple leaps of faith of like, if you would have assumed right in 09, 08, that like Uber was going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Everyone would use Uber. What possibilities were going to become from that? What possibilities will that prove that will change consumer behavior? Delivery, 
sharing. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that can come from these things that like, I don't want to tackle self-driving cars. There's too big a companies going after that market. But what are like the sub markets off of that that are still hundreds of millions of dollars? And I think there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'll have to have to make sure to think about that as I uh, feature more companies on here. So, so, so I appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, th- those are, that's the main stuff I, I wanted to cover with you here, Adam. I mean, I, I, I find it just you know, a fascinating time that we're in. One thing that I wanted to talk a little bit more about is we are having a, uh, an unemployment crisis, right? And with that, I imagine, like you said, the hustle is, is fine from a uh, financial standpoint, but a lot of people are now, like my newsletter is growing very fast because of that, obviously, right? It makes sense. And a lot of people, I imagine, are reaching out to the hustle now, like, hey, I would love to work at the hustle and plenty of other you know, companies like that. What's something that you see that separates them, you know, one person from the other, other than like, I went to Harvard, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think people's own experiences, what always, always shape them. And I mean, I went to a public university in Missouri and I studied to become a teacher and I mm-hmm. taught ninth grade American government. So like, I don't exactly have the background you look for. And I look for that in other people, mm-hmm. people. And I, I like to hear about when we're interviewing folks, like what was the last thing that you just learned for fun? Mm-hmm. Like I want curious I, I want work ethic, integrity, curiosity. But how do they even get in the door? Cold email. It's the best way. I yeah. mean, you, you, you're part of that. Uh, I think you attended the cold email lecture Sam gave, but mm-hmm. everybody's in email. I respond to almost every email. I mean, mm-hmm. within a week, I'm, I'm on every email. And even if it's a no, like I can't tell you how many times I've been reached out to about a job and I'm like, this is not a fit for us. Mm-hmm. And then I talk to someone a month later at a different company and they're looking for someone. I'm like, I had someone email me that like a month ago. Let me make an introduction. Yeah. So like if, if you grab someone's attention, like find their email address, it shows grit, it shows curiosity. And then if you word it well and you actually grab their attention it shows skill, yeah. that's, that's what I would do. I, and I would not send, if I ever sent a LinkedIn message, it would be, or a Twitter DM. I would, for a job, I would say, Hey, I'm following up here if it's easier, but I send you an email because I think two touch points is better than one, but mm-hmm. don't send a really, really long, cold message in LinkedIn. It's just not going to get read. Cool. Cool. All right. Hey, I, I appreciate it. How about the hustle? Are you guys hiring anybody right now or what's kind of the, the deal? Yeah, we're, we're definitely looking for more analysts and writers. Mm-hmm. So if anybody loves reading business news or knows are really interested in, in learning about the next opportunities three or four years down the road, Trends is hiring for multiple analysts. Our daily email is hiring for another writer. We're always looking for the best creators, no matter what. So that's definitely a role we're having and always looking for folks to help with certain projects, whether it's design or WordPress or the like that we can also also be reached out to. And all that's on our website too. Awesome. Adam, hey, I appreciate you uh, being on. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, uh, well, you can connect with me on Twitter at Always Be Hustling or go check out thehustle.co or trends.co. And I uh, would love to see you in our community. My man, thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, Henry. Talk to you later. Peace. Thanks for listening to Riding a Rocket by Rocketshipjobs.com. To join our newsletter with hundreds of other ambitious people, go to Rocketshipjobs.com.
Leave your email address and we'll send you the next exclusive opportunity.